You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. been in politics uh, all of his adult life. I thought, thought he was supposed to be good at politics. What's going on? 11 times he's lost. Now they adjourned. They'll try it again tomorrow. They're negotiating tonight. We'll see what happens. The country is not coming apart and the party is going to be just fine. This started on Tuesday. It is now Thursday. But I'll say this for the Democrats. Um, Hakeem, I think that's his name. Hakeem Jeffries is the new minority leader leader of the Democrats, 212 Democrats. How many voted for Hakeem? All of them. All of them on the first try, huh? Hey, with that kind of party discipline, and the Democrats have party discipline, don't they? You can achieve all kinds of things with party discipline. This is party discipline. This is party discipline right out of the communist playbook. With this kind of party discipline, you can suppress free speech. You can screw with viruses. You can conduct genocidal campaigns. Nothing like that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, a little bit of dissension is actually okay. It's just fine. What's happening in the Congress right now? I can live with it, and I do believe so can you, and so can the country. Kevin, I'm not sure if he's going to pull it out. Um, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I think we're going to get somebody good. Might be him. President says he's good. That's good enough for me. Some of these other names, they seem pretty strong as well. I'll tell you what, though. It's not what the mainstream media are telling us all the time. Happening now, breaking news. We're following chaos at the U.S. Capitol. It is the story tonight, the chaos in the Capitol. Our adversaries around the world are watching this chaos and instability. At this hour, chaos in the Capitol and nothing but questions about really what is going to happen next. It's chaos. Uh, it's dysfunction. Uh, quite honestly, it's a clown show. Wow, it's all chaos in our our adversaries there. What are they going to launch a sneak attack right now? OK, let's take a look at the chaos. All right. This is what they call chaos. Nadler. Jeffries. Napolitano. Jeffries. Neil. Jeffries. Nagus. Jeffries. Nels. <laughs> McCarthy. All right. Um, actually, house. it seems rather orderly. Actually, it seems like attendance in fifth grade. She actually looks like my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Keys. Great woman. This is chaos. I've seen Parliament when they're yelling and screaming and shouting. I actually think it's good. 
that members are getting up, making their case, exchanging ideas all day long. Um, it's fine. I can live with this. I think America can. These cable news stations got to hype something up. Why not this? Now, what else is it? It's chaotic, and it must be bad for Trump. It turns out having Trump is no longer enough. Trump is not enough. This is something that Trump has brought about. You know, this is something that makes Trump look very, very bad. They've now turned on Donald Trump, their leader. MAGA has turned on Trump, which is extraordinary. Remember, Donald Trump created these people, mm. but now they're like the <laughs> they're like the robots in Terminator becoming self-aware and then taking over. <laughs> not funny. Um, Trump is not afraid to get involved. He's not afraid to stick his neck out for things he believes in. And oh, by the way, I don't think he's passionate about uh, Kevin McCarthy. He likes him. He kind of wants him. But uh, I think he can live without him. We'll see. But I like that Donald Trump gets involved in this kind of stuff. You know who wouldn't? You know who wouldn't stick his neck out for anybody if there was even a small chance that it might not work out? Obama. He was all about, well, Obama and looking elegant and cool and not breaking a sweat. Getting stuff done. Endorsing people who might not necessarily might not win. That's actually leadership. This is this is stylish. By the way, Trump's President Trump's latest truth social reads as follows. Oh, it's a big one. Let's cut it down here. I actually think that a big Republican victory today after going through numerous roll calls that failed to produce a speaker of the House da, 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 has made the position and process of getting to be speaker bigger and more important than if it were done in the more traditional way. That's true. Everybody's going to know the speaker after this, much like me, <laughs> again, becoming president after having won big in 2016, got many millions of more votes in 2020, but supposedly not winning. Big lie. And then winning again in 2024. Only him. And I love it. All right. So it's uh, bad for Trump. And oh, also bad for America? This indecision about a speaker? Is it really bad for America? That's what they say. The power's been pushed to the extremes. It's unrepresented of the republic at large. And that's the thing. This isn't just bad for the Republican Party. This is bad for the republic. This chaos in the Republican Party is bad for the country. As long as this spectacle is going on, the Democrats probably figure it from a political standpoint, this is good for them. It's bad for the country. All right. It's Thursday. This started on Tuesday. May I see the calendar, please? There's plenty of time. All right. You see the little red dot there? OK, that's where we are. We started some years. We wouldn't even be back at work by now. Right. Depending upon when New Year's Day is. So, you know, what is bad for the country? Take a look at these numbers. Nine point one million federal employees. And we've got basically 537 elected people to look after them. Who's going to win that? Who's going to win that? And by the way, we should take out those who uh, are in the military. Let's take them out of the equation. We still have, what is it, 7.8 million federal employees. You know, I hear a lot of folks say, well, we, we should have term limits. Guess what? Those bureaucrats are not term limited. I don't know if I want term limits, actually. I used to like it. No, the bureaucrats. That guy was talking about the robots uh, gaining self-knowledge. No, the bureaucrats, they are in charge. We need our representatives to counteract them. You know what? They work in places like this. Have you ever seen this place? This is the new IRS corporate headquarters, they call it. 
It's one of the biggest buildings in the world in suburban Washington, D.C., in Maryland. That, that, that was not in the Constitution, all right? The, the IRS, tell me where, no, this, this stuff, this stuff potentially is a danger to the country if it gets out of hand. Now, the Republican Party is not enjoying this week. I know that. But let's think a little bit about what the Republican Party has been through. I mean, on a day-to-day -day basis, they are attacked by the media, by Democrats, by Republicans. Republicans. Remember the Lincoln Project? This is actually, these are Republicans talking about Republicans. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the screamers, the criminals, the carnival barkers and their loyal clowns, the ones who don't like differences. They hate the rules and they have no respect for you. Yeah, that's a Republican group who ran that ad. These are the guys who paid for... Um, uh, imitation white supremacists to show up at Republican events and, ooh, look at these Republicans. They're white supremacists. A total fraud conducted by the Lincoln Project. This Steve Schmidt character, is he still associated with the Lincoln Project? He helped get it started. He was John McCain's right-hand man. John McCain, great war hero, terrible U.S. senator. Uh, but this guy, as a Republican, was waging war against Republicans, and he's proud of it, sabotaging the Trump White House. We had a psychological profile of Donald Trump. We had psychological profiles of Donald Trump's team. We analyzed the organization. We understood the fissures in it. We knew where the factions were, and we did everything we could to antagonize him, to destabilize him. We did everything we could to cause chaos within his organization. We take some pride because I think that we're one of the first groups that really hurt him over the last five years politically by turning and attacking him. The swamp out to sabotage the Trump White House. <laughs> the Republicans, they were all doing it. So there are some... Uh... There are some schisms. There are there's still some friction. We've been here before. Hey, who remembers um, in the 90s? We had a very rapid turnover of speakers. There were some personal scandals, totally overblown. One of my favorites, Newt Gingrich, was forced out. And then another guy came and went real quick. Take a look. Marianne and I are, I think, very happy with the decision. We think it was best for the House Republican Party. We're looking into all the details and all the legalities of, of what it would uh, mean uh, to resign and under what circumstances they could have uh, a special election. I was prepared to lead our narrow majority as speaker, and I believe I had it in me to do a fine job. I will not stand for Speaker of the House on Ju January 6th. You will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office upon which you are about to enter, so help you God. I do. That was, uh, that was a lot of turnover. Arguably, that was chaos. So where are we right now? Um, we're still hearing from those uh, who say they'll never vote for Kevin McCarthy. At this point, I got to tell you, I think it's getting risky. It's getting very risky. Now, they may be making good points from time to time, but, you know, the world is a complex place. This uh, Congressman uh, Rosendale, he was on our show uh, the other night. He's a Republican from Montana. Take a listen. 
Change is uncomfortable. We understand that. But it is not unachievable. And we must make change in this broken system. We must. The current leadership that is in place will continue and support the use of earmarks in this body. And that is the golden trail to corruption. The golden trail to corruption. It is a way to buy votes and spread money around this body from places outside of this city that leads to bad legislation and bad decisions. Well, there's a lot of truth there, but Congressman Rosendale only got to Congress two years ago. And that's good to a point. Remember what we were talking about of all the millions of permanent bureaucrats in the federal government, 7.1 million of them? They're going to run circles around some of these new members of Congress. They're poised to. And it's one of the things Kevin's got going for him. I mean, yeah, career politicians, I know, we're not crazy about them, right? But uh, they know how the world works. And I do think that, Kevin, <laughs> they've gotten his attention. And this guy is probably going to be as MAGA as they come if he actually gets the speakership. We'll see. Lauren Boebert has been making a lot of points on the floor. America is tired of rhetoric and they want results. This isn't chaos. This is a constitutional republic at work. I'm a mom of four boys. I know what chaos and dysfunction looks like. This is actually a really beautiful thing to be here with all of my colleagues debating, just as the gentleman from Montana said. We have not experienced this in the two years that we have served here in Washington, D.C. This is the most debate that has taken place and I love it. I love the conversations that are going on on the floor, in the cloakroom, in the halls. There's nothing extreme, there's nothing unreasonable. We're trying to get this right. We don't govern in fear. We govern for the people on principle. Don't be afraid to do the right thing. Love Lauren Boebert, love the passion. Uh, agree with her about a lot of stuff. Washington is a very tricky place. If a couple of people are absent, if the Democrats come up with some plan, we could get somebody like um, Fred Upton, crazy, outgoing rhino from Minnesota, as the speaker. We got to be careful here. Kevin may not be perfect, but he's better than the alternatives. I don't think Steve Scalise has his support. Doesn't look like it. Byron Donald's great guy, but that is a pipe dream at this point. Oh, by the way, she was right about the debate. They never actually debate. And this is a very rare thing. They only have it full for photo opportunities when the Ukraine president comes by. Otherwise, you know what it looks like in the House of Representatives? Take a look at this. First of all, I think, to look at the larger picture. The fact is that the United States cannot possibly sustain $200 billion a year deficits for year after year after year. The fact is that the large liberal welfare state that we inherited 
that came to us through the last 30 years of adding more bureaucracy, more offices in Washington, more transfer payments. Empty hall. The cameras are now rigged, so they almost never show the entire room, especially when it's empty. That's a famous moment from, uh, I don't know, 20 or so years ago. So the full house, I don't think we have to be spooked by that, but we do have to be spooked by the continuing delay. Arguably, we are being held hostage by a very small number of people. And I think something really bad could happen if this goes on for much longer. I'm not panicking. It's not chaos. But it's getting dangerous. I'll be right back. Okay, the border is wide open, and they like it that way, the Democrats do. Uh, All that cheap labor, the globalists are into that. And all of those people on the left, the Democrats see them as future Democrat voters, or at least people they portray as voting Democrats. So let's face it, Joe has got to look like he's doing something on the border. So he came out today and made an announcement that, uh, well, basically, it seems to me they're going to not try to stop those who shouldn't be coming from coming, but to accommodate those who are coming more judges, more hearings for those seeking asylum in America. Um, Joe has it, well, not all wrong. He, I guess he's just doing what he's being told and lying about us, by the way. Think about it. Even back in days when um, it's so easy to demagogue this issue. Pretty long pause there, right? Check out Kamala. She gets, she knows he's losing it. Uh Uh-oh. And it's getting awkward. And she grimaces any moment now. Like, "Uh uh-oh, this is getting painful, painful. You see it? Yep, yep. I feel your pain, Kamala. That must be awkward for you. Gosh. Later, she gets bailed out. She bails out Joe verbally. You got to be really in a tough spot if she bails you out verbally. Uh, This is next. Title 42 is going to go away before the end of the year in terms of the Supreme Court, my prediction. And then we're going to have to use Title 9, or Title uh, 8. 8, right? Am I right? Yeah, Title 8. 8, 9. <laughs> and, uh, 8, 9, 9, 8, 42. Keep 42. They want to get rid of it. Although they really, in their hearts, probably don't. They're all mixed up and they're all incompetent and also slightly sinister. Actually, a lot sinister. Anyway. It was confusing. It was opaque on purpose. How about some clarity? Today, Donald Trump actually talked about the issues, talked about substance. The entire mainstream media ignored it when he came out with this statement about the crisis at the border. Fentanyl, heroin, meth and other lethal drugs are pouring across our wide open border, stealing hundreds of thousands of beautiful American lives. And it's happening like never before in our history. Children are being left without parents. Families are being ripped apart. Communities are being decimated. Our neighbors and fellow citizens are having their entire worlds destroyed. Destroyed like nobody thought possible. This is leadership. This is what President Joe Biden should be doing, but never could and never would. Next. Biden's open border policies are a deadly betrayal of our nation. When I am president, it will be the policy of the United States to take down the cartels, 
just as we took down ISIS and the ISIS caliphate. That's not empty talk. You know, he did that. <laughs> Everybody forgets because everyone ignored it. This man was responsible for ridding the world of ISIS. It actually happened. It was him. He promised he would do it, and he did it. And nobody writes it down. Nobody remembers. Next. I will order the Department of Defense to make appropriate use of special forces, cyber warfare, and other overt and covert actions to inflict maximum damage on cartel leadership, infrastructure, and operations. Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. Why not? Why not? He was talking about this in the during his presidency and shut down by the Pentagon. The swamp said, you can't do that. He knows the swamp so much better and nothing will stop him. Next, please. The drug cartels and their allies in the Biden administration have the blood of countless millions on their hands. Millions and millions of families and people are being destroyed. When I'm back in the White House, the drug kingpins and vicious traffickers will never sleep soundly again. We did it once, and we did it better than anybody else. There's never been a better border than we had just two years ago. It was strong, it was powerful, and it was respected all over the world. And now we're laughed at all over the world. And we're not going to let that happen much longer. We have to take over. We have to be tough. We have to be smart. We have to be fair. But if we don't do something immediately, our country is gone. How can a Democrat actually argue with that substantively on the subs on the merits of the argument? How can they? He's completely right. And boy, he looks good, right? The only thing is he's got to start putting this stuff out on Twitter. OK, they remove the block because no one is talking about this kind of stuff like they used to. He used to dominate the Internet. He's not doing that with True Social, although I love True Social. Meanwhile, back to the White House, uh, they're just laughing it all off and having a fine time. Are you still monitoring the speaker's race? Are you still watching the speaker's race? I'm following with great, uh, how can I say it? Attention. Attention. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, if you're getting bailed out by Kamala, you're in trouble. And so are we. When we come back, ooh, <laughs> extra trouble in New York City. The silliest person in the world is the mayor of New York. It is very sad. Listen to this. So those people who are praying for the plane to crash, you want the plane. <laughs> you want the plane. You should be, we should all be praying. Eric Landis thing. Oh, man. He does not know how to fly. That's the problem. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Rob Carson. Are the Biden administration's New Year's goals of tax and spend and turn a blind eye to inflation at odds with your goals of securing your savings? When you finally had enough of the games government is playing with your savings and retirement, diversify into gold with Birch Gold. I am tired of my money being impacted by stupid decisions by leaders in Washington. For over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, and stock market crashes. And here's the great news. You can still get it. In fact, you can own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. 
Birch Gold makes it easy to convert your IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text the word ROB to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold. With over 20 years of experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs, Birch Gold can help you. Protect yourself with gold today by texting ROB to the number 989898. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, secure your gold. Start today with the free info kit. There's no obligation to make this request. Just text ROB to 989898. If you love chilling mysteries, unsolved cases, and a touch of mom-style humor, Moms and Mysteries is the podcast you've been searching for. Hey guys, I'm Mandy. And I'm Melissa. Join us every Tuesday for Moms and Mysteries, your gateway to gripping, well-researched true crime stories. Each week, we deep dive into a variety of mind-boggling cases as we shed light on everything from heists to whodunits. We're your go-to podcast for mysteries with a motherly touch. Subscribe now to Moms and Mysteries wherever you get your podcast. It's one of the biggest lies out there that MAGA is somehow racist. A cheap, foolish lie. This is one of my favorite images, quite frankly, that I've ever seen. It's from the 2020 Republican National Convention. Donald Trump presided over a citizenship ceremony for new citizens from all over the world. Africa, South America, South Asia. Amazing. And you know what? People who come here from other places legally and take the oath of citizenship, we love them. And if you ever looked at that oath of allegiance, you got to look at it sometime. People who come here legally and do everything you have to do to become a citizen of America, they promise to pick up arms if ordered for America. People who are born here don't have to do that for the most part, right? It's part of the deal. And they also have to go to work building stuff for uh, the national defense in the civilian world, if so ordered. They promise to do that. We love folks from all over the place. We really do. But the lie about MAGA, that full of white supremacists and all that nonsense, it's really starting to stick. And we got to do something about it. The beginning of ending up at genocide is separating people into groups and having us and them. And, you know, that is what the white supremacists in this country are trying to do. Recognizing that the root uh, fuel of anti-Semitism is the same as anti-blackness. And that it's that when those two forces combine, you get white supremacy. All right. They're wasting their time. White supremacy is not the problem. Now, white supremacy is a problem. It's horrible. It's a ludicrous ideology, and they should be condemned totally. But it's extremely rare. Now, take a look at this. They're talking about anti-Semitism. Look at these numbers from the Jewish News Service. Anti-Semitic crimes in New York City committed by 64% of them. You see the numbers right there. 3% waged by people who happen to be white. And look at these numbers, by the way. Crime is going up very dramatically here in New York City. Most of these crimes are being committed by young men of color. It's a fact. It might make people uncomfortable. I'll have more to say about that in a moment. But first, our silly Billy Mayor, what's his name? Eric Adams. Oh, boy, this guy. Well, take a look. 
And I'm going to say this again. I'm the pilot. I'm the pilot. Everyone else is a passenger. So those people who are praying for the plane to crash, you're on the plane. <laughs> you're on the plane. You should be, we should all be praying, Eric, land this thing. Let's land this thing. Tell them that. We're going to land this thing. Uh, he, he just wants to be a gangster with the swagger. He talks about that. I got swagger. Pilot, plane, talking about himself in the third person. You know, he got elected mayor because he looked good in a suit. And maybe that's what he's talking about with the pilot. But he doesn't know how to fly a plane. Like this kid. You put a cute little kid in the plane. At, you know, that's a beaut- adorable picture. But he doesn't know how to fly yet. And neither does Eric Adams. And it's a tragedy. It really is. It's tragedy that we're not having a more open and honest conversation in this country about a lot of things. Crime, race, yes, needs to be addressed. White supremacy is not the problem. I have a new book. It comes out Tuesday. I hope you check it out. It's called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Published by Simon & Schuster's Threshold Editions. I'm very, very proud of it. And since Barack Obama won't do it, since the mainstream media won't do it, I did it. I talk about race. It fell to me to talk about the destruction of the black family and the pernicious effect of Black Lives Matter, socialist, sickening ideology that is ripping this country apart. Yet corporations are putting the BLM logo still right next to their logo on products. It's sickening. We go into the history of that, how BLM started actually to bail out Barack Obama politically. I address the January 6th situation. It's a defense of law enforcement. And I also talk a lot about my personal journey. I hope you enjoy it. And I'll be right back. So when I was 11 years old, back in the early 1980s, late 70s, something like that, it was a very confusing time on the edge of puberty, right? And all kinds of, it wasn't easy. Um, What is it like today, huh? With social media, with cell phones, with uh, everything goes and all this fixation on gender. So a while back, an 11 year old student told her teacher that she was transitioning to something called gender queer. 11 years old, wants to be gender queer. The teacher, I think very wisely and soundly, gave the parents a call. And now that teacher is in a lot of trouble, has been for a while. Bonnie Manchester is a former Massachusetts school teacher. She was terminated. She's waging a lawsuit. Bonnie, welcome to Newsmax. Uh, and forgive me, that was the Reader's Digest digest version. I hope I is that did that is that how it kind of went down? Yes. Thank you for having me on such an important topic like public education. Uh, that's pretty much how it went down. I was a public school teacher for 21 years. Uh, never had a problem. Never had a letter in my file. Never had a parent complaint. And all of a sudden, um, the pretty much came to my doorstep with uh, books and books in our library that we, that were being provided to the students. And when I saw these books, I started asking questions, and that's when I realized what I was doing was very unpopular. 
and that I needed to, um, I was being told that, that it was an isolated incident and that um, things were being handled. All right, wait a second, though. the books, how do the book, uh, the student comes to you and what grade is this, by the way, please? This is sixth grade. I teach ancient history. And she comes to you. Is she upset? Is she distraught? And uh, and what does she say? Well, this is during COVID, so everything's happening online. The student comes to me and is having trouble. So the student wanted to talk uh, privately. So I set up a time after school to talk to the student. And the student started talking to me about issues she was having, not just with learning, uh, but about her self-image and some other things that she was disclosing um, that were all concerning and all required me to call a parent. All right. You called a parent and um, she didn't ask you not to call a parent. Was that was that part of the deal? Did that did that come up? Uh, no, she uh, knew that I was going to talk to her parents. That was disclosed before we even had the conversation. Uh, part of the conversation that I found that was um, concerning was the fact that she said she was being uh, given materials and things that things were kind of going seeping into her rather than coming from her. Huh. All right. Well, it sounds like you did exactly the right thing. Uh, what I would do if I were in your shoes or whatever. School officials find out about this and tell us more about their reaction. It was it seemed to have evolved over a period of time. Yeah, this ha this happened over uh, started in December when the student wanted to talk to me. Uh, I called the parents. The parents were in full knowledge of everything that the student was concerned about their child, uh, along with uh, gender identity issues. Um, and just so you know, when you when students have long term, if you leave a student alone for with long term um, gender confusion, it usually resolves itself about ninety percent on its own if you just leave them alone. And this is what the parent asked for, and the parent had a very good understanding of, of this uh, topic and asked this, the school not to get involved. And that was in December. So this was way before the student wrote the, the letter or anything. Um, and the parents were getting the counseling for the child. Ultimately, I guess this happens in May. Uh, this is December in May. You get a letter. And uh, the upshot of it is this. I have decided to terminate your employment with the Ludlow Public Schools due to conduct unbecoming of a teacher. And this is uh, all this is, by the way, in Ludlow, Massachusetts. Um, wow. Sounds to me, it seems to me that <laughs> you are upholding the very ideals of, of a teacher, which is especially of young children. How could they justify that? How did they try to justify that? All I could see was that I was a teacher promoting transparency with parents. I was a special ed teacher for 12 years. That's what you do. I communicate with parents for 12 years on a daily basis. Um, and it seems like that the school wanted to promote secrecy. And when I wanted the transparency, I asked for several meetings to talk with the principal about some of these issues, uh, especially with the um, books prior to. Uh, but I was just getting resistance. Nobody really wanted to talk to me. When they put me on leave, I had no idea why they put me on leave. And when I received conduct on becoming of a teacher, related, I had no idea who it was about. Uh, when I went to the meeting with the superintendent, uh, sorry, with the principal, um, I still at that time did not know what student or what they were, were just uh, put me on leave for. So I was put on leave without even knowing what it was about. Well, you have lawyered up, and actually, I recognize this name, Frank McNamara, former yes. U.S. attorney during the Reagan years for Massachusetts. Fantastic attorney. Uh, you, are, you have not yet filed a lawsuit. Where, where are we? Uh, how's this uh, playing out?
We're about to file the lawsuit right now. I will tell you that um, I am not alone as a teacher. It might seem as I am uh, sitting here by myself uh, after being fired. However, I have a lot of colleagues that are in support of me. They cannot wait for this to be filed. They do not want to be doing this with the students. They do not believe that they should be hiding secrets from the parents. And, and hiding secrets from parents is very disturbing. And I think that we are um, in a lot of trouble as a country when a school is promoting secrecy. This is really insane. I mean, it's your normal <laughs> and the world has gone crazy. Does it feel like that? It does. It does. Uh, I did not expect to be um, to get the opposition that I did. I, I went very openly. I went openly to the superintendent to have a conversation. It seemed like a very friendly conversation. He thought that I was I was treated as it was isolated and that I was the only one. I was told that I was the only one. But as I investigated, talked to other teachers, talked to the English language arts department, I found out that there have been several parent complaints that it was not an isolated incident, that this was happening over and over again. Um, the superintendent thought uh, asked. I, when I said that I was not the only one, he asked me it would be helpful if the others speak up. I wrote up a letter. I, I put all the information together to give yep. to the superintendent. And I thought it would be dealt with in a very yep. common sense way. Um, and I thought we'd be able to sit and reason together about what was going on. But right. that is not what happened. Bonnie, I only, have, uh, I only have 15 seconds left. Is there anything <laughs> we can do to help? Well, right now I'm getting ready to follow a lawsuit. I want teachers to feel like that they should not be silent about this. They fired a shot across the bow at me, um, but don't be afraid. I'm not alone. You are not alone. And these kids need our help. And it is a very tough age, middle school, and it is a very vulnerable age. And I think that we need to protect our kids and that parents um, and uh, moms and dads across the country are losing their rights to their kids. It is a vulnerable age. I remember it well. And uh, Bonnie Manchester, thank you. Good luck. Stay in touch, okay? Thank you very much. I look forward to uh, pursuing this. Of course. We'll be right back. So, uh, day, what is it, three? And no Speaker of the House yet. The Democrats have their act together. Republicans, well, it's still up in the air. Kevin McCarthy, how many votes has it been? 11 or so. Look, I know they say this is chaotic, this is bad for the country, and uh, I know it's not ideal, but there are people debating, talking the issues, and uh, well, let's go to somebody who's been in the middle of it all, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, Republican of New York, upstate New York. Uh, welcome back, Congresswoman, and uh, how are you? Good. Great. All right. It's been an exciting couple of days. Yeah, and just for the record, you are for Kevin McCarthy, Correct. Yes, I, I've, I've committed to Kevin. And uh, look, there's never going to be a perfect speaker. I love that we're debating. I love that the people are getting to see this debate. It's not authoritarian immunity like Nancy Pelosi had, where she abused power, abused power repeatedly in running the House. So they're all clamoring and saying, oh, we have unity. But you know what? Guess what? We had a horrible agenda. We pushed through uh, terrible uh, issues. We didn't empower individual members. We're looking at an agenda that it's an historic rules package that will empower individual members on both sides of the aisle, but it will also make the House more transparent, more open, and make our citizens more involved, which is what we're all about. Our whole country is about self-governance. It's self-governance versus authoritarian communism, and that's where we are. All right, but what about, you know, voting and voting and voting? I mean, they have a vote and he loses. They have another vote, he loses again. And then 
what's the point of having these consecutive votes during the day? It doesn't. It seems like he would be better off working behind closed doors more than having these votes that he's losing. Well, I think the negotiations are ongoing and uh, they just keep coming up with somebody different that they're going to put up who gets about the same number of votes. Every vote's been 20 votes with one present, uh, except for the very first vote, uh, which which makes you understand, like, why are these people that are against Kevin McCarthy not changing up their person that they're putting up who doesn't seem to be able to get to 218? Remember, there's 201 votes every time for Kevin McCarthy and there's a mixture of votes for whoever the other side is putting up. This is my big concern, is right now we have authoritarian Democratic control of, you know, the Senate. It's a slim majority, but we know that they're, uh, they're all about spending. They ramped through a $1.7 trillion package last, last year at the end of the year at the 11th hour and got Republicans to vote for it. And then we have, you know, a pen and a phone, just like Obama, Biden running uh, the White House the same way, using executive orders, violating the Constitution, unaccountable, a, a mess at the southern border, out-of-control inflation, uh, lack of accountability, a lot of issues surrounding and swirling around Biden, his family, his son, Hunter, his brother. I mean, this is what we need to be investigating. Uh, and, and I do wish that we could get to a consensus. But my concern is some of the people who are preventing us from getting a speaker have said they don't really care if we're in the minority or not. And this country and our world hangs in the balance on us being able to stop some of this terrible policy coming out of the left, which, by the way, is the tail wagging the dog in the in the other side of the house. And uh, and I, I'm really concerned about that, because if you're going to be a never Kevin, that's what's the difference of being a never Trumper. I mean, it's the same thing. At some point, we have to say, give Kevin McCarthy a chance. Let him get out there. We've given the motion to vacate the chair, which means any one Republican can go up make a motion to vacate the chair and cause a speaker vote. We can remove Kevin McCarthy if he doesn't work out as a good speaker and yeah. we can replace him with someone else. What's wrong with that? Give him a chance. Yeah. The guy went out and campaigned, went into districts all across the country, raised a ton of money. Yeah, he doesn't have a perfect record, but doesn't. neither does anybody in this entire conference. This is going to be very, very hard governing right now. The congressman or woman who said that they don't care if they're in the minority, which one said that? Uh, a number of them. They've gotten up numerous. Many of these people, they're, they, they just don't want Kevin McCarthy. They don't mind if it's Hakeem Jeffries. I've been doing That's some been vote counting. I've been doing some vote counting myself. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Bobert is a <laughs> We've never... all been counting every day, all day. Well, I, I, Kevin maybe should have been counting a little bit earlier. Look, I like the guy, but all right. Uh, uh, Bobert is a never is a never Kevin. Gates is a never Kevin. I'm hearing that Rosendale and Biggs are both never Kevins. Mm -hmm. That's four. Now, if there's one more never Kevin, and if he's really a never Kevin, then that means it's never Kevin. Um, who's the other never Kevin, or is there not a never? Is that it? And are any of these people persuadable? Maybe they're not so never Kevin anyway. You know, I don't know. But at this point, uh, as time goes on, what are these people going to how are they going to answer to the rest of the people in the United States who are calling all of our offices saying we, we want a resolution? And is it about you and your petty personal grievance that you have with Kevin McCarthy? You know, I've been saying over and over, Festivus is over. We've aired our grievances. We've been fighting about this for months since the election or, or several weeks. And we still haven't coming up, come up with a solution. Look, I said to, I, I talked to Matt Gates today and I, I came in with Matt Gates. He's a friend of mine. He's a smart guy, but he's a never Kevin. And I said, what do we do? Who do you want? Who can win and who can get the votes on the other side? So far, we don't have anyone that can get 218. 
and we've got to get there somehow. I'm worried that we make too many concessions and the Democrats take advantage of those concessions and and actually find a way to topple our majority. And I think that would be devastating for our country because the people put us in here to let to govern and to lead. So I think maybe Andy Biggs wouldn't be an ever Kevin forever if we had a, a good deal. I think for the betterment of this country, I think some of these people may be willing to move. And uh, they're just not okay. getting what they want. Well, we uh, we may know soon. I hear they're negotiating <laughs> right now and progress could be being made. So who knows? Tomorrow is Friday. Thank you, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. I guess you're Congresswoman-elect, which doesn't make much sense member to me. Member-elect, yeah. Member-elect. Yeah. Okay, member-elect. Yeah, technically. Hey, you haven't I'm been sworn. used to this. Right, okay. Many, many thanks. Uh, and Thank you. Come back soon. We'll be right back. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Well, there's that George Santos guy, new member of Congress. Uh, He padded his resume big time. Almost as much as Joe Biden did. (laughs) Anyway, I felt really bad for him because he was so lonely earlier in the week. Nobody would talk to him. I hear and I saw that more members are talking to him. And I think that's that's actually a good thing. I don't care what he did. He's a human being and and they should be nice to him. You know, talk to him, help him, straighten him out. Good luck. Thanks for watching. I'll see you tomorrow.